0: How are we going, mates? Welcome back to The Top Step. My name is Ryan Roland-Smith. Yes, it has been a while since we laid down an episode, but I have been busy running my baseball camp. I want to talk about a few things that concerns one of the Mariners' biggest prospects, someone I'm very excited to watch. He came out and joined us yesterday. I want to dive into something I noticed yesterday. It's kind of off-field Behavior. We're going to talk about all that. We're also going to talk about, speaking of player development, the Yankees. Some news has come out about what they do in regards to player development. Some ex-players have talked about some of the things that they do, uh, which is a little bit different to, you call it, from old school to new school. We're going to talk about the trade deadline. We still haven't talked about that. Was it good? Was it bad? How do the Mariners look now? It's easy to look in hindsight. But I want to talk about a couple things after the big Paul Seawold trade. Uh, what else we got? We're 0.5 games back with our Mariner fans out there. We got a big series against the Houston Astros. Plenty of that. We're going to have a fun show. Grant Balfour is going to be back on the podcast next week joining me. Before we do all that, make sure you go and subscribe. If you're new to the show, if you're brand new, if you just heard about this show, go subscribe. You are supporting the show. Tell your mates. Follow us on social media. You know the deal. All right, let's get right into this episode of The Top Step. No matter what happens, Ryan Roland smith has something to tell his grandkids right here. First appearance of the big leagues. Face <laughs> Hall of the Famer. famer. <laughs> Especially if he strikes them out. Here comes the one-two pitch to Junior now. The breaking ball. He struck him out. Yeah, that will be a story for the rest of his life. <laughs> As he strikes out Ken Griffey Jr. And the inning is over. But what an inning it was. Has six... Victor Martinez and Grant Balfour join and benches and clear! My goodness, this this is Grant Balfour being Grant Balfour. Yeah. He he is as you mentioned, Jim. He's amped up. He talks a lot. It's not personalized, but he talks a lot. In fact, he has the demeanor of a guy that wants to fight you that I'm not killing them kill kill killing them oh, no. killing them kill kill killing them oh, no. all right we have got so much to get to it is so good to be back on the top step with all of you uh, before we get into that, we've got a couple sponsors that want to support the show. And th- big thanks to our listeners, everyone who's subscribed, listened, told their mates. Thanks to you now, all of a sudden, we're starting to get some sponsorship, starting to get the ball rolling so we can just create better content for everyone else. So number one, I want to let you know that the uh, this show, The Top Step, is proudly brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and above-the-waist. I still use it on that pesky neck hair and, and what have you, and the nose trimmer. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family, jewels, Manscaped's performance package, the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle. Join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped uh, with this exclusive offer for you. You get 20% off and free worldwide shipping. All my Aussie mates who listen, big shout out to my Aussies, uh, free worldwide shipping with the, with the code TTS at manscaped.com. So when you check out Use the code TTS, you get 20% off and free shipping worldwide. If my math is correct, it's about 16 million balls. All right. Okay, and then what else we got? So, we've got the nose trimmer, uh, we've got the lawnmower. They're awesome, by the way. I use them, they're really good, uh, especially for the, the, the nose trim before I jump on the TV. Get 20% off free shipping with the code TTS at manscaped.com. 20% off free shipping. And, by the way, you support the show. We also have a brand new sponsor. And I love this stuff. I've been using it for the last month, especially since I've been out in the sun all month long, running my baseball camp. So, gentlemen, we all know first impressions matter. If you're not taking care of your skin, that's going to be the first thing someone notices and instantly either thinks you're way older than you are or you just don't care about your appearance. Show them you do and make a great first impression with Caldera Lab. Now, so they've got this skin, this skincare stuff. I know it sounds crazy and dudes, I get it, man. Like, you know, I'm watching my wife just absolutely keep her skin pristine on the other side of the bathroom. I want to keep the skin nice, man. You only have one face and i not going to get all wrinkly. I'm from Australia. We all live out in the sun. I've been getting crushed by the sun. This stuff's awesome. It literally takes, you know, literally takes three minutes. It's a whole routine. You, know, you brush your teeth every single day, so why not use um, the, a good skin company to get that skin right? Uh, and just for our audience, we have an exclusive offer. This is their best offer available anywhere. Insert the code TTS at Coldera lab.com. 20% off right now. Trust me, I've used it for the last month. I've got to tell you, I'm about to jump on air tonight with Dave Sims in the booth, and you will see how good that skin looks. You can get it as well. Get 20% off with code TTS at calderalab.com and make unforgettable first impressions that lead to the charming words, you look younger. <laughs> all right. Hey, by the way, ladies too, you can also use it. I promise you. It's not just for blokes. Let me tell you. All right. We've got plenty to get into. First of all, I want to give a big shout out to the Mariners, Number one prospect, someone said he slipped down on social media. Someone last night told me. I put a video of Harry Ford. Sir Harry Ford, the Brit, I put him out on social media last night and for good reason. This kid, man, so as I've talked to you guys before, I think I've slipped in one podcast during my camps, but I've been hosting the next-gen baseball camps. If this is something you're interested in, if you've got a little leaguer or, or someone a little bit older, I work with older kids. That's that's my bread and butter. I get kids into college. Uh, velo programs and everything. I love it. I love coaching just as much as I love jumping on air. I'm here in Houston right now about to do a big series, but uh, we've had been running five straight weeks. Seattle, Bellevue, uh, down at Cheney Stadium with the Rainiers, uh, Edmonds, my new hometown, and now... We just got done with the Everett Aquasox. So, of course, some of the Aquasox players come and help me out. And I've got to say, guys, you have to understand this. It is not automatic just to be like, yeah, I'm going to run a camp and boom, players come out and help you out. I pay them, obviously, as, you know, look, they're not getting paid a whole lot of money. It's not like they're going to get rich from coming out for one day. But I remember when I was a player, it was a bit of a drag. You'd you'd be like, oh, man, I'm tired. I've got six months worth of this baseball season. It's hot out on AstroTurf, the whole bit. I've got to say, these Aqua Sox players, all of them, I had Tyler Locklear out there as well. I had a bunch of guys. Kyle Hill came out, a bunch of amazing coaches. I cannot speak at high uh, any more highly than what I'm trying to say right now um, with who we had out there I, I don't want to miss this one guy too I'm, I'm just making sure I don't uh, mess it up here oh yeah and by the way and Reed Morgan too man Marcus Walden down at Tacoma anyway I want to give a shout out to everyone but we all hear about Harry Ford for good reason he's a stud now my first interaction with Harry Ford was at the qualifiers last year the wbc qualifiers i go to germany and we all know that when you go to do something which kind of seems like it's not heading you to the big leagues is it going to help maybe but he goes off and plays with great britain to help him qualify first of all big check awesome he's helping out the brits trying to make an impact with baseball then i get over to germany i meet him for the first time I heard really good things, but you never know. And any time you see some of these players in a situation where they're not in the big leagues or it's a little not as <laughs> nice facilities or whatever it may be, or they're in a tough situation, that's where you really kind of see their true colors. And there was a couple of players over in Germany. Matter of fact, Tyler Mann, if he's listening, he knows one player who I'm talking about with a bit of big league time who is an absolute douche who was over there. So I go up and meet Harry Ford. And I go, hey, man, how you doing the icebreaker with the Mariners? He goes, hey, what's up, man? He was so excited to be there, so excited. And you could just kind of see his presence, the way he held himself, the way he talked. Remember Julio Rodriguez when he got that extension and how the words he said and everything and how excited he was and how thoughtful he was when he was answering some of these questions? Well, that was just like Harry Ford, man. Every time he spoke to someone, it was a big deal, right? He was there trying to get the Brits to qualify, and he did. So anyway, fast forward. Yesterday he comes out to the camp and I'm like, oh man, I don't want to keep dragging these players out here. It's hot. They're out here for hours. You've got six-year-olds, just to paint the picture. You've got the Everett Sox Funko Field and it's a blast for me. For me, it's a blast. I love it. I'm wearing my full Mariners Uni. I've been doing this for a few years now and I'm out there. I've got these high school coaches, college coaches. Some of them are absolutely dragging because they're just, they've got no presence because they're tired, they're distracted, they're on their phones or whatever. And some of them are just dialed in, absolutely dialed in. I've got a couple of coaches who are just so engaged. It was awesome. So there I am. I've had a couple pro players at this point come out and help out. And they're like, yeah, man, what's up? And, you know, they, they kind of stand back, do their thing. So then Mike McCullough, big shout out to Mike at the Everett Sox, says, hey, listen, uh, Harry Ford's here today. I'm like, oh, great. I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to make this guy – he's got a catch. He's a catcher. I don't want to make him – out, wear him out before the games. And he's trying to finish the year strong. I walk out, there he is, just kids, six-year-olds to 12-year-olds huddled around him. He's high-fiving, he's signing autographs, big smile on his face. The whole thing, and he's, and he's just so engaging with his kids. Again, I, I can't tell you this enough, right? When you, if you're driving in your car, you're working out or something like that, you're thinking, oh, yeah, well, that's a part of the job. It's not. I'm telling you right now, you can literally just do the bare minimum. You can stand out there with your glove on, with your jersey on, stand there, wait for the camp to start. The camp, by the way, the camp hadn't even started, by the way. And next thing you know, here is Harry. For he comes up, and goes, hey, man, good to be here. I'm like, oh, man, this is awesome. So I give my big morning speech. Harry comes up and talks. I have some of the coaches come up. Kyle Hill gave a great speech about the best version of yourself. I loved it. Kyle Hill's a pitcher with the Mariners, uh, with the Aqua Sox. And anyway, during the, the break, uh, during the camp, he's down there catching the kids, these six-year-olds who are pitching from like 15 feet spiking balls. There's Harry catching. He's like, you know, giving him great job and the whole bit. And then middle of the camp, and I put this video, if you haven't seen it, go to at hyphen 18, check it out. There he is doing what's called the gritty for all you older folks. The gritty, it's this, when we do our camps, the kids love it. We always do it in the middle of the camp and they do this big gritty line. There's Harry Ford out the front leading the kids. I was blown away. Like I said, if you're a minor league player, right, no one knows who you are. Fair enough. Come out and have some fun with the camp. Whatever. That was that was kind of me. I'd have some fun once I got into it. Sometimes I was I was dragging I'm not gonna lie. But when you're a guy like Harry Ford, everyone tells you how amazing you are on the field and everything else, and you're putting in that extra effort the way he did, it's mind blowing. It is so, so cool to see that. I can't cannot tell you enough. So I'm done with my camps, a finish for me with Harry Ford, big interaction. I'm a huge fan. I can't wait for this kid to get to the big leagues. He what's called gets it he gets it man he understands the energy he brings uh, affects so many people around him and when you've got a bunch of eight-year-olds those eight-year-olds will never ever ever forget yesterday hanging out with harry ford it was unreal all right let's get into it so a couple things speaking of i'll stick with the whole player development thing so just recently uh, i was watching some foul territory it's another podcast uh scott Braun, aj prasinski uh, Eric Kratz, those guys. It's a really, really good. They, they get into some pretty controversial topics, um, which is awesome. They kind of There's really no filter over there either. So they had a couple of ex-players on talking about player development with the Yankees, right? Now, the Yankees, obviously, it's kind of easy, easy targets right now because offensively they haven't been doing a whole lot. They're, what, nearly last in their division, if not last. I haven't even had a look yet. But you're looking at that and you're thinking to yourself, easy targets, offense, right? They've already fired their hitting coach. And, the, by the way, the hitting coach appointed – all the hitting coaches in the minor league system, which I'm not a huge fan of. Listen, I know there's a lot of these folks that come in, a lot of these coaches come in, never play professional baseball. Uh, They come from either college or they come from, you know, some hitting lab or or a hitting facility or what have you, Um, pitching coaches as well, and they come in and all of a sudden they take over a professional baseball system. I am all for, and I, you guys know me, I'm a huge fan proponent of driveline. I love what those guys do. I have a great relationship with them, and they're amazing. But they understand too, and I've talked talk to these guys, there's got to be that balance. There really does. When you have players, and I talked about these Everett Sox and, and these Rainiers who I just work with during my camps as well. When you have a six-month season, and you've been in the grind, and you've played, you need people around you, the sounding boards around you, number one, who have been in there with you done it as a player, have struggled, have failed, have been released, have been DFA, have gotten called up, gotten to the big leagues. All these little nuances that go on besides how hard can I hit a baseball. So then all of a sudden I hear that the Yankees, as far as part of their player development, it's all they do. Now, I don't know. i take this with a grain of salt. You never know. It might be a little bit different. But all they do is trying basically – they develop these players not from a baseball nuance as- aspect of winning games and how to play the games. It's basically straight data-driven of if you hit the ball harder at this angle, you are going to win a lot of games. You are going to hit uh, with what we like to see, and that is home runs, extra base hits, get on base, etc., so on and so forth. Right. So I hear that they're doing these games where it doesn't matter if you strike out, swing and miss, that's okay. If you get a lucky hit, doesn't count. If you crush the ball, uh, it's a point, and so on and so forth. So you hear these things. And you're like, oh, what's wrong with that? That's good. It makes you hit the ball harder. That's great. But when you try and do a one-size-fits-all as a hitter approach, and you have a lineup, one through nine, I know this from pitching against lineups. Now, I pitched in a different era t- from today. I pi- well, it wasn't that long ago. But you have to have a dynamic lineup. You have to have pieces that complement each other. You have to have guys who can get on base, who can work a six-pitch at-bat before you've got that big thumper who can crush a mistake. I'm telling you that from a psychological standpoint. When you develop pitches in a lab all off-season long, and then you try and do it when the season starts in that environment scenario situation where you develop them where I'm going to see max effort what you can hit velocity wise and then what can I do, how fast can I spin this ball. Then on top of that, you're gonna go out and pitch and play a series over for a six hour bus ride and you have to come up with that split second, 10-second decision on what pitch to throw because you're not quite feeling that one pitch. For example, like I see it all the time in the big leagues. There's guys like George Kirby, situation where he's not super comfortable with a certain pitch third inning in. So he has to readjust. He has to has to make, make a change. You have to sometimes when you're in a situation where it's a 2-1 count and analytically it says you should be throwing this pitch. If you don't feel it, it's a waste of time. Analytics don't tell you, cannot predict the outcome of what a player is feeling. So all these little nuances I'm talking about, right? When you go strictly to that face value of if I hit a ball hard, it's going to be good stuff. If you go specifically to that and you don't have – uh, you don't build a lineup. You go a one size fits all. You're going to be in trouble. Now again, I don't know what the Yankees are doing. I'm seeing this, and I'm seeing some some comments and everything else on on social media, and it's so split 50-50. It's these, you know, older, gen, uh, traditional baseball types. Oh, this is crazy. Look at this stuff. That's newer types of, you know, basically saying, well, no, this is what proves that it works for you, baseball wise. Uh, excuse me, what works for a team in regards to winning games, right? And again, you look at their division. The Tampa Bay Rays use analytics really well, right? The, the uh, Look, Boston Red Sox, they also use them really well. The Blue Jays, same thing. But I will say this. When you dig into, we've had some guests on this podcast who've been with some of these organizations from the Braves, from the, from the Rays, Kevin Kiramai came on the show. He talked about it. He talked about when they... Not only is it the piece of paper they put down in front of you, the analytics, it's the relationship you build with those coaches. It's the trust factor you build with those coaches. If you have a stack of minor league players going on podcasts and saying this is an absolute joke, they are not bought in. And that's the bottom line. Kevin Kiermaier, when he was with the Rays, and he came on this show, he's good buddies with Grant Balfour, and we had him on. Great dude, by the way. He's now with the Blue Jays. When he comes on, he talks about when you get this information – and then it's digestible, it's translated, and then it also morphs with how you operate as an individual, then you maybe have a recipe of success. Not the way of a situation when I'm watching, and this is what I'm getting to. When you have players coming on and ripping the Yankee system, I'm not saying all the players are, but a situation when you hear players talk about, this is an absolute joke. Can we just get back to actually baseball, act, actual baseball activity? And this is a bunch of 20-year-olds. Think about that. Imagine a bunch of 30-year-olds. That's crazy. So, again, I just wanted to touch on that. It's been an interesting development. I'm just saying as a player. And talking to some of these guys, too. I'll talk to some of them this afternoon once I get to the ballpark. And when you talk to them, talk to Paul Seawold about this, too. The bottom line is you can get all the info you want. Paul Seawold resurrect his career from some of these numbers. But if you don't buy in and trust it, the Mariners do a fantastic job on the pitching side. You're like, hey, how would they get these guys? This guy, you know, Gabe Spire, Justin Topa, um, Tyler Sorcedo, same thing. What happened? How come they weren't doing this at other places? Because they came here, they found some numbers, some analytics, and said, look at this. All right, now this is why we like it. Now let's try and put this into practice from a human standpoint. That's where the trust comes in. Mariners do a great job of that that is going to segue to the trade deadline all right now it's easy for me i've had a couple weeks off the show i've been been talking about stuff on uh 710 seattle sports and on root sports about the trade deadline if i liked it didn't like it initial reaction didn't like it because i looked at this and said one of your biggest strengths is your bullpen right one of your biggest strengths is keeping games close one of your biggest strengths is someone who can pitch every single day and you've just Chopped their head straight off that. That was my initial reaction. And they did. They lost a lot in that bullpen. And we've seen it. That Kansas City Royals series we just had, that bullpen is getting stressed. I t- I tweeted that out and got a lot of comments when the team was losing. And then I got a lot of comments when the team was winning saying, oh, no, it's not, nothing to worry about this or that. But when the team was losing, everyone's was like, oh, this trade deadline was let down, such a joke, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so a couple things to look at. And I'm going to compare this to the angels did anyone notice the angels today may not notice they just called up a kid they literally drafted literally drafted three weeks ago and i'm going to look up his name right now because i have got to make sure i pronounce this right uh because i don't want to butcher this so again i know the i know the game is getting younger right i know players are getting younger i know that because of everything i talked about with the player development the um the, there's not the, as much stock put in and experience and stuff. It's more about if you're young, you're athletic, and you can smash a ball, up you come. Okay, so I don't want to butcher this name. Nolan Chanel. Chanel, Chanel? Oh, man. Sorry, six weeks. Was it six weeks? No, Was it three or six? When was the draft? Oh, God, I'm blanking here right now. Um, sorry, it was six weeks ago. What did I say? Three weeks. Yeah, six. This guy was drafted six weeks ago. Now... I'm trying to think of players who were drafted that year and called up and had success recently. I know Cole Gillespie, if you remember Cole Gillespie, maybe you don't, because it's not always a situation where it's like, oh man, this is great, off he goes, he's starting his career early, yada yada, right? But you've got a situation where Cole Gillespie, last time he played was 2016, his first year was 2010. Didn't quite work out for him, fair enough. Uh, He was with the D-backs, the Giants, the Cubs, a couple other teams. I'm just using him as an example. Now, again, going back to the old school, new school, that's kind of the the topic we're going with right here. I'm going to get back to that Paul Sewell trade, and I'm tying this in with the Angels, okay? So I'm tying all this in, people, I promise you. So first of all, congratulations to the kid. Awesome, he's making his debut, that's great. But the Angels... All right, so they <laughs> they are. Let's not forget at, this, at the trade deadline, the Mariners were what, six, five or six games back? All right, and you, if I put you in that hot seat in that front office and said to you, All right, we want to be buyers, this is our time, we have to do it, blah, blah, blah. And I said, Boom, here you go, you make the decision, we're giving you the phone, you call so and so, we've got this trade on the table. I guarantee you, I said, uh, We're not quite all the way there yet. I'm like, oh, yeah, I agree. Now, the Angels are in quite the situation. Artie Marino who is just gunslinging right now. He missed his opportunity to trade Otani. Last two years, I'll say. Last two years, he's missed his opportunity. Hasn't had the, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? To pull the trigger, right? The balls, call it that, Manscaped. <laughs> the balls to pull the trigger on, on Otani. And you know what? All right, no worries. He wanted to stay in there. He wanted to win. This might be his last year as an owner. Who knows? Um, it was a kind of an absolute mess last last winter when he was trying to sell the team. Now, all of a sudden, they go out, they get Giolito, they get a couple other players, and they're like, oh, we're going all in. Well, look look what's happened. They've gone all in, and they've failed. They've tanked, and they've given up some, some prospects and what have you. How frustrated are you going to be if you're an Angels fan? Now, all of a sudden, they're calling out. I don't know what's going on. But they're calling up a kid they literally just drafted. Literally just drafted. I hope I wish the kid all the best. But it's not exactly the recipe for success. Now you look at the Mariners. The trade deadline came. Paul Seawold was traded away. Initial reaction, oh, this sucks. And then guess what the Mariners did? They went out and played against the Angels, and they smashed them. Now, I'm not going to say, oh, just because they won, that means trade... Uh, the trade deadline was a success or a failure. No, right? What they did gain from that trade deadline is stability. I don't want to say like boring cliche, but I've talked to players this year, and I've talked to them in years past, and I've been in amongst it. When you've got four or five of your key players sitting around wondering where they're going to have to relocate their family in a week, they're listening to these rumors that may or may not exist. They're looking at everything around them and saying, man, when you walk into the clubhouse and you're like, "I might not even be here in three days," you start to um, untether yourself. You start to disconnect from your team. So those weeks leading into that that trade deadline, whether you're Logan Gilbert, who even addressed some of the rumors, Tiosca Hernandez, Gino Suarez, the list goes on and on. Some of these younger players sitting around going, "Man, I might I might not even be here next year, next week, or whatever it may be." So you got all that. Then trade deadline comes and comes around. Paul what gets traded. It's emotional, you say goodbye to him. Then you look around and go, oh, everyone's still here. Now no one can move. All right. You just settle back into business. You you get rid of all the thoughts about what you've done the first half. You look around, and you go, all right, now we can just kind of sit back, relax. And by the way, the expectations were taken off a little bit because you look at that and go, okay, we didn't go in and buy this player, uh, uh, trade for this player or, or that player. And you look at this going, okay, now I can just worry about myself here, take care of business. I'm not going anywhere. I can take a breath and get after it. None of these players, I'm telling you, by the way, looking are disappointed that they didn't get traded. Some players do, by the way. Some players do get disappointed. But on this current team, if you look at the way it's kind of built up and, and the relationships and everything else, I don't think any of them are like, oh, man, I really want to get out of here. I think everyone, because they've had success here or they've resurrected their career here or they've, for whatever reason... Or they're a free agent at the end of the year, Tiosco Hernandez, right? Gino Suarez being one of those guys who feels very comfortable here. I think a lot of them were relieved they didn't get traded. Logan Gilbert, same thing, relieved they didn't get traded. Now they can look around and go, okay, now I can just kind of take care of business. The expectations have changed just a little bit uh, in the less of, more than the more expectations, and I can just get after it and take care of my business. So I think when you look at all that, uh, all of a sudden, you see the players start to kind of change the tone and the energy. And you could see that in the Angels series, and they have not put taken their foot off the gas. Julio Rodriguez is absolutely smashing the ball right now. And what happens when him at the top of the lineup, not in the leadoff spot, I like him better in the two spot, we all do. He's hitting, I think, 216 in the leadoff spot, as opposed to like 270 or something crazy, uh, hitting second or third. I can't remember the numbers. They need JP Crawford back, in other words. But when you have that happening, and you have him jumping around, whether you're a fan of that or not on this team, doesn't matter. All of a sudden, the energy's up. Your heart rate gets up a little bit. And it changes everything. So for him to go off, you notice a pattern here, by the way. When he's starting to struggle a little bit, uh, what happens? Everyone else starts to, to scuffle a little bit. It's just, it's just whether you like it or not. When you're, if you're hitting six, then you're a buddy of Julio's or not. It doesn't matter. The energy goes up through the roof. I'm telling you right now. So they are in an amazing spot, as tough as the first half was. Here they are, as we speak. They're a game back in the wildcard. They're six games back in the division. I'm not saying they're going to get the division. This Astro series is going to be tough, that's for sure. But um, when you look at this, where they're at, this is looking really, really good after everything in the first time and after that trade deadline. Uh, by the way, too, leading into this series against the Astros, the Mariners outscored the Astros 20 to six in their four-game set from July 6 to 9. Matches of fewest runs, uh, matches the fewest runs the Mariners have allowed in any four-game series since 2001. All right, so that was in that was in July at. In Houston. They've had a tough time here in Houston. I'm here right now. I can't wait to watch these games. This is going to be a massive series. I, I just feel like it's a different energy right now. So, really, really excited about it. they got a chance to make up some games against the Astros. Texas is still good. I've said that all year long. They have been really, really good. Um, but I just think that it's uh, they're, they're just in an amazing spot. and What a good time to get going. What a good time for, for Julio Rodriguez to get cracking. The one concern I had. Now, I am concerned about the bullpen a little bit. Andres Munoz. Um look, he's awesome, he's electric. He's going to get pushed hard these next couple of months and it worries me just a little bit. It worries me because when you have a guy coming off an injury, you have that max effort the way he the way he goes down the mound, he he spins off that mound hard, he gets on the side of the ball, what have you? Sometimes like last year he kind of lost that fastball a little bit, he lost confidence in the fastball. That kind of worries me just a little bit. We lost Paul Seawold back to that trade deadline. So this bullpen is going to get really, really tested. Topa, Seawold, um, Gabe Spire, these guys have never really been in this situation, first time ever, and they're doing awesome. They're doing such a good job. They look amazing, super confident everything, but they are going to get stressed. What about the starting rotation too? Okay, They're going to get a six-man rotation. You've got Luis Castillo. He is right where you want him to be. I will say this. I'm going to admit, I was a little worried he was going to get injured at the beginning of the season at some point. There's going to be maybe a breakdown. Logan Gilbert, Bryce Miller. We're going to see Bryce uh, who made a little bit of a resurgence just recently. I thought he was starting to dip a little bit. I think the six-man rotation is going to really help him out. George Kirby, has been great. Um, gave up some hit, hit hard hit yesterday. That's okay. Brian Wu's coming back. But my man, Emerson Hancock. There is a lot that's going to depend on Miller, Wu, Hancock down the back end of your rotation, especially Emerson Hancock. We still don't quite know what we're going to get from this kid. He has looked good, and he's also looked very hittable. Two strikes, getting guys out, finishing guys is going to be the big question, I think, in my opinion. So I think watching these guys, the rotation, uh, getting Wu back, I, I love it. Six-man rotation is going to help Bryce Miller. But Emerson, Hancock, what are we going to see? Is there going to be that progression here from what we saw the last start? Because he just had a tough time putting dudes away. And I'm still waiting to see it. The change-up is really good, but he doesn't throw it as much. With two strikes is what I was going. To, what I was thinking. Andy McKay uh, said to me, he goes, his slider has come along. It's really, really good. Didn't quite see that. The velocity was down the last time out. Uh, Bryce Miller, who... Velocity had a little bit more of a resurgence, but he had a tough time putting guys away. We're going to talk. I'm going to talk about that in, in the open during the game tonight. How a two strike counts for Bryce is going to be crucial tonight. Uh, but yeah, this rotation—it's interesting. This is going to be the backbone for him. If these three down the bo- these three young kids down the bottom, can put it all together, and you will see. By the way, one of them once you get to middle of September, one of them will start getting skipped. Uh, they're going to probably go back to the five man. As if there's that long stretch. Uh, down, uh, down in that final stretch. If not, great, awesome. But if so, um, you'll see a situation where one of them will drop back to the bullpen or whatever if, if the Mariners are still fighting for that spot. All right, guys, listen. I have to run. I've got a lot to do. I'm getting ready for this game. I just, I'm stoked to check back in with you. Grant Balfour's going to join me. I'm going to be uh, on Monday. He's going to jump back on, which is great. Uh, I'm hoping so. Oh, he just texted me right now. Let's see what he said. Hold on. Um oh he said I'll get back to you tomorrow if he's back on tomorrow. I, will, I mean back on next week. That sounds good. Anyway, guys, make sure you go subscribe to the show. Go Mariners. Um we're gonna uh be in for a really fun series this weekend. And then you got the White Sox in Chicago. I'll be calling the games. Uh I'll be doing sitting next to Dave Sims calling the games. So yeah, make sure you tune in. All right, people, we'll see you right here next week on the top step. To the day that I drop, walk, walk, to the day that I drop, to the to the day that I drop, that I drop, that I drop, that I drop, rock, rock, rock. You'll never say that I that I drop, drop,